499. 499, Pashas Vaigash. The three people in this beginning of this Pasha, the three stars, are Joseph, Judah, and Benjamin. Right? Now it's a story. They're already again by, by, by in Egypt. Joseph wants to keep Benjamin by him because he framed Benjamin as a thief and accused him of stealing his, his goblet. Judah wants to took responsibility for Benjamin and he has to bring Benjamin home. Then we have Judah. Benjamin, Joseph wants to hold Benjamin and Judah wants to take him back home. Judah took responsibility for Benjamin. We read it in last week's parsha when, when he told his father, on page 483, in the beginning, Reuven tried to convince his father to, that he will take responsibility for Joseph, for Benjamin. And he told him, if, you don't, if, you, if I don't bring Benjamin back, kill my two sons. Jacob didn't even react on such a, a, such a suggestion. What kind of an offer is this? His children are not, uh, um, Beruven's children are not Jacob's grandchildren. What, what are you going to kill him? But then Judah said, on page 483, number nine, I will be security for him. You will demand him from my hand. If I do not bring him to you and set him before you, I will have sinned to you for all time. I, I will be a security for him. It's such a, I don't know what kind of a translation this is. There is no good word for Erveno. If you sign for somebody for a loan that this person will give back the money, what it's called? Co-sign. Co-sign. Insurer. Insurer, like a... a collateral? No, you take responsibility for the other person. Mm -hmm. Fiduciary. Yeah. Fiduciary. Oh, that's a nice word. What no. does exactly mean? <laughs> Co-signer. <laughs> That's what he said. No, it's not a cosigner. It's a little more than that. It's a, it's a moral and ethical obligation and bond. I take, yeah, Guardian. I bond with him. Guardian. If he's not paying, I'm standing instead of him. I'm here instead of him. I will pay for it. Then Je jo Je Judah took responsibility for Benjamin. He told his father, I'll bring him back no matter what. If not, I will be singing to you all the days. In this life and in afterlife. That's what he told him. Here, we are now in our Parsha 499. Joseph tells them, and the last, and we will go back again on page 497, just one page back. E. Joseph said to them, go ahead, on page 497, number 17. E. Joseph said to them, it would be degrading for me to do such a thing. The man whose, in whose hand the goblet was found, he shall be my slave. And the rest of you go up in peace to your father. Then what is happening? He tells them, you, you can all go home. I just need Benjamin. Just Benjamin. He spoke. I don't remember if he spoke here or whatever. Why Joseph did it? Joseph had to create the same situation for the brothers. See, the old concept of tshuva. This one that it should be. Oh, well. Um, Joseph was the tshuva. What is tshuva? Tshuva means to repent, but repenting, everybody can say, I'm sorry, and move on. And then he's doing the same thing again. How does a person know that he did tshuva? And he's the same situation, and he doesn't do the same thing again. Then Joseph wanted to help the brothers to do tshuva. That to repent, to say, they said we are sorry, it's all come to us because we didn't listen to his crying and so on. Joseph wanted to create the same situation. Another brother, Benjamin, from the same mother, from Rachel. Now somebody else wants to take him away and let's see what the brothers are going to do. How far they are, go they are ready to go to save the brothers? And our Pasha is really like in the middle, starts in the middle of a story. 
There's all discussion in the commentaries why the Pasha starts right here, stops in the middle of the story and doesn't end. Would make sense in two pages for that it should be the next Pasha. In any case, we'll start to read this Pasha, 499. Yehuda. Yehuda approached him, Yosef, and said, Please, my master, let your servant speak a word in my master's ears, and do not be angry with your servant, for you are equal to Pharaoh. My master asked his servants, saying, Do you have a father or brother? We said to my master, We have a father who is old, and a young child of his old age. His brother is dead, and he alone survives of his mother, and his father loves him. Is his brother dead? <laughs> his brother is not dead. But he li they lied to Joseph because they said, if, if he tell them that you have a brother, he will tell us, Bring me the brother! I will be no end to it. They had to tell him that his father is, that his brother is dead. Besides, they really didn't know if he's dead or not. They saw, they sold him. They, they since for 22 years they didn't hear not that he's dead, and, and not that not that he's not dead. That here goes on a whole monologue from <coughs> Judah to Joseph. You said to your servants, "Bring him down to me, that I may set my eyes on him." We said to my master, the lad cannot leave his father, for if he left his father, he would die. Who will die? Will be the father. It's two commentaries. Rashi says, the boy will die on the road. You see, we spoke about it, that on the road, uh, his, his mother died on the road. His brother died on the road. That he was afraid there is the next one. But you're right, there is a, the, other, the literal meaning could be also that the father will die. Okay, Mark, you want to continue? You then said, your servants, if your youngest brother does not come down with you, you shall not see my face again. When we went to the servant, my father, we told him of my master's words. Our father said, go back and buy us a little food. We said, we can't go down. If our youngest brother is with us, we, uh, we will go down, for we cannot see the man's face until our youngest brother is with us. Your servant, my father, said to us, you know, that my wife, Rachel, bore me two sons, one who's already left me, and I said, surely he is torn to pieces. I have not seen him until now. If you take this one also away from me, and misfortune befall him, you will bring my white head down to the grave in evil. Then he tells them the whole thing, what the discussion, the, the conversation that he had with his father, Jacob, and, and basically he says that, now comes to the, to the punchline, Number three, now when I come to your servant, my father, and the lad is now with us, his soul is bound up with the lad's soul. When he sees that he lad is not with us, he will die. Your servants will have brought down the white head of your servant. Our Who will father. die now? Now he's talking about the father will die. The father will see that Benjamin is not coming before they even have a chance to explain him what happened. It will be too late. To the grave in sorrow. Yeah. For your servant became surety for the lad of my father, saying, If I do not bring him to you, I will have sinned to my father for all time. Okay, let's stop right here. The, why, basically, Judah explains, why is he talking? Why Judah? He says, because I took responsibility. The rest of the brothers didn't take responsibility for Benjamin. But Judah was the one to take responsibility. Then what happened? Judah took care of uh, responsibility for Benjamin. That we have three stars here. Judah, Benjamin, and Joseph. Who we have now? Which tribes survived today from the Jewish people? Benjamin merged with. And Benjamin. Judah and Benjamin. Why they survive? because they took responsibility for each other. The only two tribes that we have today are Judah and Benjamin. Well, Judah took responsibility for Benjamin. We don't see Benjamin taking responsibility for Judah. It doesn't quite work. Um, sometimes it happened. We'll get to it in a minute. When later in history, Judah took again responsibility for Benjamin. When the fight broke out, uh, wasn't there a decree that nobody can marry? Uh, Judah, there's another story of an individual from the tribe of Judah who took responsibility for an individual from the tribe of Benjamin. 
famous story in the Bible. Saul. Very good. Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. And then one day Goliath came. He was the king Saul. And Goliath came and challenged the Jewish people. He said, sent out from your side one person who is as strong as I am. And let's make a fight. The one who wins the fight, the other side will be serving to the side who wins the fight. If the Philistines win the fight, you guys will be our slaves. And Saul is scared, very, very scared, and he doesn't know what to do. And Goliath was the strongest man available at that time. I mean, he was, was a giant. And then came David, and the Medrash puts it, Jesse, Ishai told David, it's time to take responsibility. My, our grandfather took it, so they will take responsibility for Benjamin. And now the Benjaminites are in Soros. Saul is Benjamin, from the tribe of Benjamin. David is from the tribe of Judah. That David got up and took responsibility for the tribe of Benjamin. The same story all over again. Will Benjamin took care of the tribe of Judah? No, what do you think? Later in history. Mordecai, maybe? Huh? Mordecai? Very good. In the story of Purim, Mordecai and Esther are from the tribe of Benjamin, Ish Yemini, the tribe of Benjamin. And Mordechai Esther took responsibility, risked their life to save the old Jewish people. Ish Yehudi, they were all called Yehudi, Yehudi means Jew, from the word Judah, but he himself was in the tribe of Benjamin, who was then at that time, all the first place in the Bible that the word Yehudi, the word Jew is written, is in the Megillah. At that time, it was mainly the tribe of Benjamin and Judah. They were exiled, right? Who was exiled? The ten tribes were exiled before that. Who was the exiled to, to Persia? The tribe of Judah and Benjamin. And in this case, the Benjaminites took responsibility for Judah. But what I mean to say is when one takes responsibility for the other, both of them survive. When everybody is for himself, and we all think that to us it's not going to happen, not in Solon, only in Chardon, not here, not there, and we don't care for each other, then what will happen to us what happened to the ten tribes. But when you take responsibility, you survive. Then Judah, here in this story, that you asked before why the story is in such detail. Judah here demonstrates Jewish responsibility, taking care for each other. And that's why the story is so important. He was ready to risk his life to be killed. He, say, he said, I'm ready to be the slave instead, to take responsibility for our brother. That's what Judaism is all about. And that's why the story is so important. So the bold line, I am my brother's keeper? I'm a brother's keeper. Uh, I mean, that's what uh, Cain said. I'm not my brother's keeper. Yeah. But then Joseph said already, we spoke about it a few weeks ago, I'm looking for my brothers. Right? And here, he didn't speak it, he did it. He was ready to do anything to save his brother. That's, that's why it's so important. Now, in general, this fight between Judah and Joseph is the fight that went on for a thousand years. Joshua, from which tribe is Joshua? He's Nun. Son of Nun, from the tribe of... Joshua. Joshua. Joshua, yeah. I think it's from the tribe of Ephraim, Joshua. <coughs> right. right? <coughs> the, 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 yeah, the Shevet Ephraim, Shea Binun. It was the tribe of Ephraim. That here, Joshua, the next leader, Moses of the tribe of Levi, was of the tribe of Levi, <coughs> from the children of, Rage, of Leah. The next leader was from the children of Rachel. You realize what's going on here? There was always this struggle from which tribe, who is going to rule the Jewish people? Saul was from Benjamin, from the children of Rachel. David was from Judah, from the children of Leah. It was David, then came Solomon. What happened after Solomon? Rehavam became the king, and the kingdom of Israel right away after, <coughs> after Solomon died, divided into two kingdoms. The kingdom of Judah, where Judah and Benjamin were together actually, and the kingdom of the 10 tribes, 
Who was the king of the ten tribes? From all the ten tribes, who was the king for 300 years? From the tribe of Ephraim. Ephraim is the son of Joseph. That the struggle between Joseph and Judah went on for generations, forever. And the ten tribes who were lost are basically the leaders of the ten tribes of Joseph's, Joseph's uh, descendants. The northern tribes, though, don't uh, do very well. I mean, they they become the idolaters they, uh, and what have you. You're right, no? The ten tribes, yes. But, but you know, Joseph and Ephraim in, in our parshas do pretty well. Yeah, 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 you know. <laughs> Not always the grandchildren go in the ways of the grandparents. And uh, because they, because they, God wanted the kings to be from the tribe of Judah. <clears throat> Basically, what happened to ten tribes, they, they separated themselves from Jerusalem, from, the, Jeru from, the, Jew from the, the Jewish center, so to speak. Where was the Jewish center? The temple in Jerusalem. They closed the roads to Jerusalem. And he, uh, his name was Yeravam ben Evot, Yeravam. He set up idols, and they started to worship idols. And for 300 years, and they were idol worshippers. You're right, and nothing happened with them. And they eventually assimilated. Well, we were the ten tribes, they assimilated. They were exalted and assimilated. They're gone. But what I mean to say, it's all from the beginning, this struggle between Judah and Joseph. Judah sold Joseph. Now Judah is fighting with Joseph over Benjamin. All of this thing goes on and on for generations to come. What will be when Moshiach will come? First of all, uh, According to some commentaries, will be a Moshiach from the tribe of Joseph, and he will come first and he will die, and after him will come Moshiach ben, da Moshiach ben David, Moshiach from the house of David. The Moshiach of, uh, of uh, Joseph uh, is supposed to be the one that does the war, I think. He will do the he war, will, he will do the but war. the point is, again, what the goal will be, that everybody will be reunited. What will be the sign of Moshiach that the two kingdoms will come together? That's what we read in the Aftor from this week. is about the unity within the two, the two kingdoms. But when you know that we say on Rosh Hashanah, Aben Yakir Li Ephraim, there's a famous song, Aben Yakir Li Ephraim, my dear son Ephraim, is my beloved child. Every time when I speak about him, when I remember him, I cry about him, is is uh, I'll never I can all I always remember him. The prophet Jeremiah, I think, wanted to bring the ten tribes back home. That he was saying prophecies about Ephraim because Ephraim was the king of the tribe of of the tribe of the ten tribes, and he was they were all considered Malchut Ephraim, the kingdom of Ephraim. All of them, all the ten tribes. Then you see the ten, the struggle went on and on forever. So Look, Go ahead. The Messiah Ben Joseph. I mean, why do we have to have you know two messiahs in that sense? One from Joseph. I mean, is it obviously it's the, it's it's the, the leading tribe from from the other group? Yeah, basically everybody has to agree. <laughs> everybody has to come together. Yeah, it's the leading the leading couple. So each one each one has to have a role, basically. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. You cannot bring Moshe if not everybody is on the same page. You know, I mean, if one Jew is is missing, Moshe cannot come. Each one has a function. Why does the Messiah Ben Joseph, the one who dies and the one who's the military leader, where, where does that It means from? to say, it not necessarily has to happen leaderly, <laughs> but it means to say that ultimately it has to come from the house of David. The ultimate Moshiach has to come, David is the chosen one, and it has to come from the house of David. But do we see the functions of the Messiah Ben Joseph in, in our various parshas? I mean, that he has to die and he has to be a military leader? I'm sure that some commentators will find it in the parsha. I don't know. I'm sure some, somebody will find it. Okay, we'll go back to the Parsha. <clears throat> 502, number 33. And now, let your servant remain as a slave to my master instead of the lad. Let the lad go up with his brothers. For how shall I go up to my father when the lad is not with me, lest I see the evil that would befall my father? Yosef could not contain... Okay, then he, saw, he said, how can I go to my father? And see how he looks. How uh, to see the the? How will be I'll be able to look in my father's eyes? If we translate this as a conversation between a Jew and God, we have everything there. How can we do something wrong to our Father in heaven? We took responsibility for the lead. Means to say, 
we as Jewish people, Jews, take, care, take responsibility for each other, for our children, for the Jewish children everywhere they are. And when we have to ask ourselves, <coughs> we, we tell basically the world, the world is trying to grab our children, to assimilate them. We are in a fight, we are in a war. Joseph here represents the, the Egypt, right? The foreign uh, ruler. Egypt was at that time the strongest culture of the world, the biggest, uh, the superpower. The, anything that, 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 that represents against God was Egypt. Idol worshiping, everything. <coughs> and there is a fight over a Jewish boy, over Benjamin. And Judah said, I took responsibility for this boy. How can I come back to my father and the child is not with me? This question, every one of us has to ask ourselves. How can we come back to our father? How can we face God and the child is not with me? And when we have this way of thinking, then we will go the extra mile to make sure that there is a Jewish, ensure Jewish education to our children, to other children, to everybody around us. Okay. Um, Dr. Kosov, would you mind to read? Yosef could not contain his emotions in the presence of all who stood before him, and he cried out, Let everyone leave my presence. No man remained with him when Yosef made himself known to his brothers. He didn't want that his brothers should be embarrassed in front of strangers. And in general, it was such a private thing, you don't need that anybody. He wept aloud, and the Egyptians heard about it. And the house of Pharaoh also heard. Yosef said to his brothers, I am Yosef. Is my father still alive? His brothers could not answer him, for they were shocked at his presence. What is, yeah. Why is he asking if his father's still alive? He knows he's alive. He asked him ten times. <laughs> the whole conversation is the father shouldn't die, right? Why does he say, is my father rather than is our father? No, no. What do you think? You know, this is one of the questions we spoke about that last week. Why Joseph didn't, I, don't, I think we spoke about last <coughs> why Joseph didn't send a messenger to his father to tell him that he's alive. He became second to the king. Sent him a little letter, you know, a telegram, two lines. I'm alive. There is a thousand answers. You know, when there is a thousand answers, it means that the question is better than the answer. Here, it's for sure not, not a, it's a rhetorical question. Is my father still alive? Obviously, he knew his father is alive. First of all, you can say, in the little, literal sense, you can say that maybe he was afraid they lied to him. They lied about everything. They can lie about this. But it was a rhetorical question. That's how the Rebbe explains it. After what you did to my father, is he still alive? After 22 years of this? Why says my father? Because he's his father. That's why he suffers so much. Because he was the favorite child, and the favorite child is gone. He's my father. I know how much my father loved me. Can he is alive? It's a miracle that he's alive. How, how is it possible that he should be alive? That was the question. And I think also later he wanted to explain the urgency, why he tells him to go fast. He says it's every minute that he's alive is a miracle. Then we cannot even waste one minute of, of his time. And to bring him as soon as possible, to let him know that he's alive and to bring him as soon as possible. But this is, I mean, this is uh, the most one of the most powerful lines in the Bible. I'm Joseph, because really, it's, there is no connection. I'm Joseph, and my father said, "What's has to do with one another?" And basically, after I know that I know what, what, what my father is going through, how could he be still alive? So much suffering, and more, maybe more. It's maybe he's alive, but the question is, is he alive? You know, some people are not dead; are they alive? That could also be in the question. But the brothers couldn't answer them. They were shocked. They were embarrassed. They were... Number four. Uh, then Yosef said to his brothers, please come close to me. <clears throat> they came close to him and he said, I am Yosef, your brother, whom you sold in Egypt. Now do not worry and do not be angry with yourselves that you sold me here. For it was to preserve life that our king sent me here before you. For it is now two years that there has been famine in the land, and for another five years there will be no plowing or harvest. Okay, what's going on here? It's unbelievable what's going on here. Joseph tells them, first of all, I'm your brother that you sold. That's me, I remember. <laughs> then he tells them, do not be sad. <clears throat> well, I was just saying... Go ahead. 
the reason probably in my mind is that he didn't send the note to his father is if he understood that he was supposed to be doing this and that was all predestined, then if the possibility that the plan could have fallen through or not come into its own the way it was supposed to be planned, you know what I'm saying? He could have ruined the plan if he sent the note to his father. You're right, alive. you're right. And that's usually the answer, that he understood that everything is from God, everything is destined. But... It's pretty hard to control your personal... The question is, your father is suffering. You're right, that all, all is good and fine. But you, so cannot, you cannot have God's calculations, so to speak. Yeah, that's the ultimate answer, is he left it up to God. He says, whatever God is doing, that's the way it should work. Well, yeah, in the sense that, well, you, you know, I took care of, God t brought me here, and my faith in God is that he'll take care of my father. Then I can't intervene. On, a, on another level, though. Yeah, 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 you're right. I cannot intervene, but... On, an, on another level, though, from another flip side, Pharaoh wasn't going to let, I mean, even years later, he's not going to let Yosef go so easy. So if Yosef's not going to go and his father knows where he is, his father's going to have to travel to him. So? It's a long travel. He's an old man. And First of all, he will say his father will travel. Just tell him he's alive. Don't come to me. I'm not coming to you. Have a nice day. But I mean, I have another explanation. There is Joseph was sold. His brother <clears throat> said to them. He says, what is going to send his father a, a telegram that he's alive? And then the father wants to come to see him. They will, the brother says, still hate him. They will not let him. That the pain of the father will be even worse. And if he, if, if he will come there, that again... It's not going to get any better. Mm -hmm. Then he says, you know what, just leave it like this. Don't touch it. There is, it was sold, it was from God. Leave it as it is mm -hmm. and let it happen. But still, you know... Go ahead. Couldn't there also be another explanation that he wanted to see the dreams come true? So? But he'd still be in Egypt. He can, he, he, I mean, if he knows... At that time, when he became a second to the king, he knows it's going to be a famine. You know, if there is a famine, they probably have to come. <coughs> you can say that he was afraid that after Jacob learned that he's alive, Jacob said, oh, that's nice, I'll stay here. Fine, send my regards. Well, I'm very happy that he's alive. I'm not leaving to Egypt. Jacob had no intention to leave to Egypt. But the famine brought Jacob to Egypt. And Joseph, when he became second to the king, he knew that there was going to be a famine at that moment. But even if he knew about the famine and so on, and maybe his father wouldn't want to come to Egypt, he came up with this plan with Benjamin. So no question that it we saw that this plan brought it. That was the only way that the kid, the brothers, the father and the brothers would come. And if not, they would probably somebody would not come. Yes. <clears throat> but this is when you're starting to make the plans of God play God. You understand? <clears throat> but on a regular level, you brought your father. You know your father how much he loves you, and you were sold as a slave. And you have a chance to send a letter to your father to tell him that you're alive. I, I mean, there is all of this what you said is written. All of these explanations. The, the question is a question and the answer is our answers. What do you say? Well, I'll go ahead. <clears throat> Didn't we talk last week about using a messenger to go to the king? Was, wasn't that? What do you mean? Last, last week's parsha. I might not know what I'm go talking ahead, go about. Ahead. And you said that it wasn't the messenger. You shouldn't put so much emphasis on the messenger. Oh yeah, yeah, the the the, the butler. So, why would you put so much emphasis on the messenger to deliver a letter? No, it's not about the messenger. I don't care how. But if you know that you're alive, and you have finally a chance to tell you, and you know, and you don't know what your father knows or doesn't know. Truth is, he didn't know that they decided to tell the father that he's dead. He thought maybe they know, maybe the father knows that he was sold to Egypt. Yeah, but wasn't part of the part of what you were saying last week was you should rely more on God rather than the butler? Yes, but I said so, about on the other end, I said it wasn't a wrong thing to speak to the butler. Well, not totally. He had to speak to the butler, but not rely on the butler. You understand what I'm saying? He had to tell the butler that he's here in it for the wrong reason, but he shouldn't have the trust in the butler. He should believe in God, that God will save him one way or another. But there was nothing wrong with making a vessel 
by talking to the bottler. You understand what I'm saying? So one way or another, he'll get the message whether he has it delivered. But he has to do something. He has to make a vessel. See, there is one thing about having faith in God. The other thing is about making a vessel. It's like you have to have faith in God that God will give you uh, my livelihood in any way he wants, but I have to make a vessel. I cannot just leave, leave it up to God. The same thing is here. He has to have faith in God that, that the writing will work out, but if he is free and he knows that his father is in, is in Israel, so worried about them. No matter what the brothers told the father, let's say they told him the truth that they sold him to Egypt. Just say, I'm okay. Just a little thing. But he doesn't know for sure he's actually alive. The Who? father? The father. Right. The father. No, I'm talking about what Joseph thinks what his father knows or doesn't know. But my point is, how does Joseph even know that Jacob's alive? Or that Jacob is alive. Right. That's yeah. a good question. But you have to check. So what you do, send a letter and the brothers hate him, they're not going to respond back. <laughs> That's a good point. How we know that his father is alive? It's a good question. You, never, you don't know that. He didn't know. He did, uh, on the little level, he for sure didn't know if his father is alive. I mean, I can give you another 50 explanations, right, but right. Uh, I mean, usually, by Jewish, the Torah speaks about that usually a person lives up to his father's age, but actually jo Jacob didn't live up to his father's age. He died, he died much younger, more than his father and his grandfather. They died by the age of 147 because of all his Torahs. Then, yeah, and his mother died very young, that he could, he could think that his father might be dead from, from, his, from the suffering. That could be a good answer. Maybe that's what he was thinking. If the father is alive, might give him tzores. If he's not alive, it was a, it was a maybe of a maybe of a maybe. That doesn't work out because Joseph only lives to be, what, 110? No. Yeah, he yeah, also so died so because one of the explanations, because he allowed the brothers to say, to call their father in front of him, my servant, your servant, your servant, your servant. Yeah, he didn't live, but in general, a person, the Talmud says, a person should should worry about, it comes from the story of Isaac, we're not going to all details, but basically, he should think about or his mother's age or his father's age. Five years before his mother's or his father's, and five years after, he should be more cautioned about that because he might be maybe like the father, maybe like the, the, the mother. That's at least in biblical time. Nobody should get scared and go check out on his father and his mother. <laughs> Our generation lives longer, thank God. Excuse me. Yeah? Um, now, Joseph, when he says, Do, don't be angry with yourselves, he, he's just promoting peace, right? I mean, they don't have a right to say, oh, yeah, it was God's will, so we really did the right thing. It was... <laughs> Joseph said it. He didn't promote peace. Joseph really believed in it. Joseph believed that it was all a plan of God. That's how he survived it. If he wouldn't think like this, he wouldn't, he wouldn't arrive to where he arrived. That you are wondering, how could Joseph really believe in it? Well, it's not human. I know we've talked about it like before that there's a plan, whether you choose to be an evil part of the plan or a good part of the plan. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's individual choice. I just, it, it seems like he's really saying that just to promote peace with them. I, I can't see that the brothers can say, yeah, we well, yeah, we did the good thing. We no, he, did, he didn't say that you they did the good thing. Later, 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 by the end of the, of, of the, of the book, of this, of the last, next week's Pasha, in gen the end of Genesis, after the father died, they were still afraid that he's going to take revenge on them. On page 572, Joseph tells them straight, number 20, Five seventy-two, number twenty. Let me read it. Okay. You mean to do evil to me, but Elohim <clears throat> means means it for good, in order to do as it is today to preserve the lives of a great people. You meant to do evil to me. He said it straight. He doesn't say they say that they did, they, 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 they did a mitzvah. They sold a brother. But God allowed the plan and made the plan happen because it was for a good purpose. It was all what meant to be. The whole concept of Bashert is in this story. That's why there is such lengthiness in the story. 
the whole concept of Ashgoche Protis, it's called, divine providence, that everything that happened to every person is ordained by God, not only to people, to animals, to a leaf of a tree that falls off is, by, is a plan by God. Everything that happens on earth is a plan by God. If a GPS can control everything, God can for sure control everything. If a computer, a metal thing, where no brains can do it, God for sure can do this. And here, the whole concept of divine providence is in this passion, is in this story of Joseph. Now, everything worked out, everything fell into place. Even there was so much chaos, they sold Joseph, Judah, Mary, did this, this goal. But everything in the end of the day, the whole picture came together. And if we would live a life like Joseph, we would live to be 200 years old. We wouldn't worry. He would live long. Even Joseph lived shorter than, than his brothers and his father, but he's still 110 is also not bad. Is the whole theory, yeah, I mean, we just read, you know, God meant it for good, you meant mm -hmm. it for evil. Is that really kind of the basis of forgiveness? Oh, yeah, somebody asked me this week, forgiveness after the story. In, uh, yeah, sure, that's for forgiveness. Where we learn forgiveness from Joseph. Joseph's forgiveness was not just forgiveness. He paid with good for bad. That's a new level of, forg of forgiveness. Why he paid it good for bad? Because ultimately you were a vehicle for the good, right? You wanted, you meant bad, but you, you then he, because he didn't look at what the person did, he did what God, what God did to them. Therefore, what's the right thing to do? To, do, to do, give good to his brothers? He gave them good. What they did bad, that didn't make, didn't make a difference. He, had, he, he worked for God, not for the people. Not for his brothers. He never had a, he never, the calculation was not that the brothers gave him or didn't give him. They deserve it or they don't deserve it. He worked for God. What God wants for me to do now, to give, that's what I do. What's the right thing to do today? But this person is this, and he did for me this, he hurt me two years ago, and he was mean to me two weeks ago. It's all nice and fine. What God wants for me today. Now, this is a very high level to live, but a little bit of this we can have. That's what we have. that's what we learn from this story. Now everybody looks at it like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's easier to forgive once you once you've you know, kind of succeeded. You're right. He, he, he's not he's not you know in the deep depths of prison saying I forgive my brothers because God has a plan for me. He's now saying it once he's kind of you know got. Listen, out we of, didn't he didn't have the chance to say it. We don't know what he felt in prison, but even in prison he was in a good mood, right? We learned that when he saw the butler and the, and, the, and the baker in a bad mood, he asked him, why are you in a bad mood? Obviously, he was in a good mood. Mm -hmm. He was 12 years in jail, and he was in a good mood. We don't read anywhere. It was always God was with them, and everybody appoint, they appointed him to be the leader. Potiphar made him the chief of staff. In jail, he became the chief. Somebody who's in a bad mood and depressed, nobody makes him the chief of anything. We all know that. Obviously, he had the faith in God throughout. And, and only then he can say it here. And he said it right in the beginning. He said it when his father Jacob died, 17 years later. He, said, he always said it. <clears throat> then he had this strong belief that everything that happens to him is from God. And that's what we have to learn. That's what the story is all about. It's not about Joseph. It's about us. To understand that everything that happens in our life comes from God. And it's all meant to be. And it'll work out for the best. Sometimes you can see it. You're right, when Joseph was in jail, he didn't see it. He was in jail. But he still believed in it. He still was not in a bad mood. He still tried to do the best within his situation in jail. And that's why he, he, he raised to the highest level in jail. Wherever he went, he was on the, on the best level, on the highest level. Let's continue to read a little bit. I think we are in number uh, seven. You, um, um, coin, you want to read? Page four, 504, number seven. Elohim sent. Excuse me, I left my glasses on. Okay. Elohim sent me here before you to ensure your survival in the land and to keep you alive for a great deliverance. You see, you think you sold, you sold me to Egypt. Elohim sent me here as a messenger to come before everybody else. Like the early Jews who came to America, where the religious rabbis and all the people said, don't go to America, the Goetia land. 
but later it ended up to be that the American Jews saved the rest of the European Jewry. World War One, World War Two, after World War Two. Then thanks to these Jews were sent earlier to provide a safe land for the Jews who were in Europe. The same thing here. It says God sent me in front of in front of you before you to 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 uh, to, uh, to ensure your survival in the land. It continues with the same words now. Now then, it was not you that sent me here, but Elohim. And he has made me as a father to Pharaoh, the master of all his house. It's not you sent it to me. We see a similar story. King David tells his son Solomon about Shimi ben Gera. This Shimi once cursed David. It, that when David tells uh, Solomon about the story, he says the expression, he tells them to take revenge on him, but whatever. What he tells them, God told Shimi to curse me. It's not written anywhere in the Bible that God told Shimi to curse him. But David felt that if Shimi was successful to, to curse him, obviously it's coming from God. Because if God wouldn't want it, it wouldn't happen. That from David's point of view, God told them to do it. Here is again, it's the same story. You think you sent me? God sent me. And that's what you have to people think. Oh, I was so successful. I did this and I said this and I did this. Therefore, it worked out. That we have to remind ourselves, you think you are this. God sent you. God made you. Did that make it, when he said this to his brothers, did that make it seem to his brothers and that they were absolved of their guilt or their responsibility for having done it? He for sure tried to do it to them. Yeah, he for sure tried to make them not feel guilty. But they did the wrong thing, so they get absolved from guilt even though they did made a bad No, no, act. I don't think they, they absolve from guilt. They did the wrong thing. But he says, it's all you were vehicles for God. Ultimately... But then they come, they walk and say, see, I did the right thing, you know? No, then, he didn't say you did the right thing. No, no, but in their mind, they could say, see, we had a higher... We didn't even know we were doing the right thing. We did the right thing. So they, they think in a twisted way that they were... I don't believe they would think like this, but um, I mean, sometimes even if you make a bad choice, you are a vehicle for something good, but it doesn't make, doesn't take away from you the bad choice. A person is being rewarded and punished for his choices. Whatever needs to be accomplished will be accomplished. But if you choose to be a part of it, that's up to you. And that's what you are. The choice is a free choice. And for this, you're being rewarded or punished. I mean, somebody can make a decision to come to the class, but later, the car breaks down. That's not in his control. God wanted you to come to the class. That's why you come to the class. If God wouldn't want you, he wouldn't make it. That you, you, the choice is your choice. If it will happen or not, it's in the end of God. But I can, you can see, some people can, 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 can find excuses. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Because some people can start to say, oh, yeah, that's all a good thing. I'm, I'm so glad that I was a part of this mitzvah. <laughs> I helped you. Yeah, Joseph took it to the extreme. No question about it. That's why it's in the Torah. That's why Joseph made it to the Bible and we don't. And I pointed out in other classes, we should never judge biblical people and our measuring stick. As Joseph is like almost above human, same thing, everything that happened, by all the motivation by Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and by Moses, by King David, should never be looked at as like, oh, if I would do it, I would do it for this reason. This is people, holy people, people with a relationship with God. If, we are, if they are just like us, they wouldn't make it to the Bible. And if we are like them, we would make it to the Bible too. It's not just because you were born a little late. They are on a different level. We just have to learn a little bit. We cannot be like Joseph. I agree. Nobody can forgive on this level that Joseph forgive. But five minutes a day, a little bit, we can be like Joseph. We can try to be like Joseph. We can learn from Joseph. We can be inspired. That's all idea. But you know what? God's spark in every Jew lives with him forever. So? So whenever you do things, you feel responsible for it. You're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not easy. Let's continue. Number eight. No, I mean, we're in number nine, I think, right? Right. Right. <clears throat> Hurry, go up to my father and tell him, this is what your son, Yosef, says. Elohim has made me master of all Egypt. 
come down to me. Do not delay. You will dwell in the land of Goshen. Harry, <coughs> what's the what's the rush? He said, don't, I, we don't, I don't want my father to suffer one minute extra. What means one minute extra? 22 years. Talmud Seb points out, why was Joseph away 22 years from Jacob? What do you think? Mark, why was 22 years? Why was Joseph away? Who was? Jacob was with Jacob was away from his father Isaac for 22 years. <coughs> who didn't take care of his father. That Joseph was away from Jacob, to interest. And even the Jacob had all the good reasons and his father himself sent them there. All's good and fine. The bottom line is he was not there. That Joseph was also a good intention. Everything worked out. But the bottom line, he wasn't there. He said 22 years past. That's it. Now do it as fast as possible to bring my father. He was, Jacob, Joseph was afraid that every minute he could die. Told him, come to me, come down to me. Anybody who goes, go, you go up to Maru Ve'alu, Harry, go up to my father. Going from Egypt to Israel is considered going up, making Aliyah to Israel. Going down to Egypt is going down to Egypt because this is the Holy Land and this is a, the, and the rest of the world is considered going down. Told them, don't delay, do not delay. Go ahead. dwell in the land of Goshen and you will be close to me. You, your children, your grandchildren, your sheep, your cattle, and all that you own. Mm -hmm. I will provide for you there since there will be another five years of famine, lest you become impoverished together with your household and all that is yours. Behold, your eyes see it along with my brother Benjamin's eyes that I speak to you with my own eyes. This is an interesting verse. It says, Behold, your eyes see it along with my brother Benjamin's eyes. What is the along with my brother Benjamin? It says, As much as I am not angry with Benjamin, Rashi says, because he was not a part of the selling. Benjamin was a little boy. He wasn't even there when they sold him. I'm not angry with Benjamin, so too I'm not angry with you. I have nothing against you. That's how much he said it. As much as I'm not angry with Benjamin, not angry with you. And then he continues to say, tell my father. Tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and all that you saw. Hurry and bring my father down here. What means I'm, I tell my father about all my honor, what he wants to show off. He wanted to convince his father. He knew it's not going to be an easy job to convince Jacob to go down to Egypt. Jacob might hear, Oh, Joseph is alive! Mazel tov! Beautiful! Send him my regard! There is a bottle of wine. I'll send him a letter. Whenever he has time, he'll come to visit me. It doesn't mean necessarily that Jacob is coming down to Egypt. There is a famine. He will tell his sons, Go, bring food, and come back. Fine. You did it before. You'll do it again. You'll do it a third time. Well, why to move? Jacob didn't want to move down to Egypt. Therefore, J Joseph had to do everything, he was trying to do everything to make, to, like to, he says, rush and bring my father. I think he also said rush to bring, bring him there because he said, while well, there, there, there is the shock that J J just Jacob there that his father, is, uh, that his son is alive, this moment he will still have this desire to go to see him. If it starts to drag, the story starts to drag out, he might have second thoughts, you know, maybe it's the, you know. Sent me a picture of uh, maybe a video, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Don't have to go necessarily. Does Jacob or does Joseph know about the prophecy uh, in Abraham's time that the Jews are going to be in Israel for four hundred years? Absolutely, in Egypt, you mean, in, in, Egypt, a, in a foreign yeah. land. Yeah. Yes, I mean, first of all, naturally, the prophecy went from father to son, from Abraham to Isaac, from Isaac to Jacob. It's written. Rashi says that Jacob taught Joseph all this Torah, right? He learned at the beginning of Parshas Vayeshev that Joseph was the son. That Jacob, that Jacob planned he should be his successor, he should be the next one, then obviously he, he knew it, absolutely. I'm sure they all, all of them knew it. I mean, God told Abraham in a foreign land, he didn't tell him which land, but obviously Joseph understood that this is Egypt. That, that's where Hashem brought him, obviously it's Egypt. He ended up in Egypt. He then... He then fell upon his brother Binyanum's neck and wept. And Benyanim wept upon his neck. Five or six on top of the page. He cried on Benjamin's neck. He fell on his neck and cried. And then it's written, and Benjamin cried on his neck. And Rashi says something very interesting. They didn't cry just because out of emotions. Because that's nice too. But when Sadiqim cry, they have deeper reasons for the crying. Knowing or unknowing. 
Benjamin cried for the tragedies that are going to befall upon Joseph's great great grandchildren, and Benjamin cried for the, the disasters, the tragedies will come upon the descendants of Joseph in many generations, and every one of his other generations. In the tribe, in the part of Benjamin, will be the holy temple. Jerusalem is divided between Judah and Benjamin, and with the holy temple is, the, as I think, the holy of holies is on the side of Benjamin. Then he cried. He knew that. So to speak, he cried for the future, the two temples will be destroyed. And on the side of Joseph, the, 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 the Mishkan Shiloh, the, the house in Shiloh, the temple in Shiloh was stood 369 years. Before they came to Jerusalem, the Jewish people were in Shiloh for a long, long time. Basically, from after they entered the land of Israel, after Joshua, a little bit after Joshua, until they came, until King David brought him to Jerusalem, the temple was in Shiloh. And eventually the temple in Shiloh was also destroyed. That he cried on this temple they will be destroyed, and he cried on this temple they will be destroyed. And the significance of the shoulder was because the temple sort of in the shoulder of the mountain? It's because it's the neck. The neck. What's the neck? What does this mean, the neck? The neck is a connector, exactly. The neck is a connector between the head and the, and the body. The, neck, the, the, the temple is the connector between God and the Jewish people. That's why we are called stiff neck. It's all about the neck. It's Ryan. There's red neck, there's stiff neck. Mitzrayim is the neck of Pharaoh, isn't it? Uh, Mitzrayim is the neck of Pharaoh. It's narrowing the... No? It's Mitzorim, the word Mitzar, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, he kissed his brothers. He kissed all his brothers and wept upon their necks. After that, his brothers spoke with him. The news was heard in Pharaoh's house that Yosef's brothers had come. Look, they, they didn't cry on him. He cried. What's happened to them? They're scared to death. They're scared. Uh, they, they, they're shocked. They're embarrassed. They, I don't know. what they, they're... they're scared he's going to wake up uh, you know, ten minutes later and say, off with your head. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. The news was heard in the, in the Pharaoh's house. Uh, this was good news in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants. It's also a miracle that Pharaoh is happy. Oh, your brothers are here, so nice. It could be the opposite. Didn't have to be this way. Pharaoh said to Yosef, yes. hey, Mark, you want to continue? Number 17, page sure. 506, number seven, 506, number 17. Pharaoh said to Yosef, tell your brothers to do this. Load up your beasts and go and enter the land of Canaan. Bring your father and your households and come to me, and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt. You will eat of the fat of the land. Uh, now you are commanded to order your brothers to do the following. Take the wagons from the land of Egypt for the little ones and for your wives. Bring your father and come. Do not be concerned with your belongings, for the best of Egypt is yours. The sons of Israel did so. Yosef gave them wagons by order of Pharaoh, and he gave them provisions for the journey. To each of them he gave a change of clothing. To Benjamin he gave 300 silver coins and five sets of clothing. Why 300 coins? I don't know. Okay. You'll find it out, Mark. Tell us the answer next week. <laughs> I'm sure there's a Kabbalistic answer. I'm sure. Okay. I don't know. To his father he sends the following. Ten male donkeys loaded with the best of Egypt. Ten uh, female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and food for his fathers for the journey. He sent his brothers off, and they went. And he said to them, do not be troubled along the way. Do not be troubled along the way. What does this mean? Don't dawdle. Don't get lost. What does this mean? Don't worry about anything. Oh, what should they worry about? Mm. What like robbers. There could be uh, getting lost, getting sidetracked. No, no. What does this mean? Do not be troubled and along the way. What do you want it from them? Maybe they shouldn't be fighting to journey quickly. Shouldn't be fighting, Rashi says, one of the explanations. By the way, all of your explanations, most of them, Rashi says a few explanations. He told them, do not, what means do not fight? What was he afraid? Why should they fight? So I told you to sell them. I told you to sell them. another brother for <laughs> No, they will be the blaming business. Here they're already blaming each other. They were blaming each other last week's parsha. He overheard the conversation. He was speaking to them in Egyptian. They thought he doesn't understand Hebrew. But by the way, a good lesson, never speak in a different language in front of people. You never know what language they understand. 
I was a few times in the presence of people spoke in Hebrew and they thought I don't understand and so on and on. And sometimes I spoke in a language that I thought people, other people don't understand. It's not good. <laughs> you, can get, you can end up with real trouble. Then they, they, they said to, when Joseph accused them to be spies, on page 475, number 21, <coughs> They said to one other, In truth, we are guilty regarding our brother. We saw the anguish in his soul, and when he pleaded with us, when he did not listen. What is why this trouble has come upon us? Reuben answered them, saying, Did I not say to you to the following, Do not sin against the lad, but you did not listen, and now his blood is being avenged. That here we see that Joseph, they are speaking to each other and Reuven is blaming them. He said, it's your fault. That's what Joseph was afraid. He was afraid they will start a whole fight. It's your fault. You instigated us. You made us sell us. You made them wanted to kill him. That he says, do not fight on the road. Not only tells them to forgive them. Not only does it say it was them for good. He's worried what will happen on the road. Shouldn't even blame each other. That's Joseph. Okay, they went up. They are on page 508, number 25. They went up from Egypt and they came to the land of Canaan, to their father Yaakov. They told him, saying, Yosef is still alive. He is ruler of all the land of Egypt. His, Yaakov's heart stood still, for he could not believe them. <laughs> and they told he him. He came to Joseph. There is a whole medrash about it. How they broke the news to, Joseph, to Jacob to tell him that the father and the son is alive. Jacob was mourning Joseph for 22 years. He couldn't get over it. That was one of the signs. Usually when somebody dies, the beginning the pain is terrible, and as time, time is a very good healer. Here, Joseph, Jacob couldn't get over it. That he had a feeling that it's only this feeling you have when somebody is alive and he's missing, and you don't know where he is. Then here they have to break the, break, break the news to... To, his, to the father, what he did. There was a daughter who sings to him. Who was the daughter? Her name was Serach. Serach, the daughter of Asher, had a very, she, was, she was playing on a harp or something. She was very, the favored granddaughter, or maybe the only granddaughter of his father, of, the, of grandfather Jacob. She was singing to him a song, Joseph is alive. And little by little, he started like he was waking up from a dream. Joseph, what's going on? And little by little, they broke the nose to him. At some point, though, Jacob, had, you know, is going to find out how, you know, Joseph got sold down the river, so to speak. Oh, how is he going to find out? Well, at some point, he's going to have to ask. I mean, the brothers came home with this coat saying, you know, uh, Joseph's been killed. Uh, and now he's alive. Somebody at some point is going to have, is going to tell the father, uh, gee, the brothers. There is a big discussion in the commentaries if Jacob knew what happened or he died without knowing, the, without knowing what happened. The Talmud, the Medrash says that Joseph was afraid. He always, when he came to Jacob, he came to very short visits because he was afraid that his father will ask him, no, Yosef, what happened? Therefore, Jacob, Joseph used to come to his father to visit, come, talk, how are you, dad? What's going on? Like today, people come to the nursing homes to visit the parents after one. <laughs> That's what Jacob Joseph used to say. After all, I'm running a big business, the whole country, I don't have time. Why he did it? Because he, was, he didn't want to, come to get comfortable enough that his father should ask the question, what happened? The brothers didn't tell the story. Joseph didn't want to tell the story. And the surface, Jacob did not know. He probably understood that something fishy happened there, but he didn't know what happened. Nobody told him what happened. Then all the commentaries speak about that. What the Rebbe speaks about that, and he says that Jacob didn't know what happened. Nobody would come and tell him the lost know. It's basically gossip. If they had told him, he wouldn't have given them such good blessings on his death. Shimon and Levi doesn't yeah. give any blessings. <laughs> Shimon and Levi, as you're going to read next week, he actually said he was, he was very harsh with them. And the literal sense, and the literal sense, he, he said. He said to them, he said he, he was upset with their killing of uh, the, the city of Shrem, but he wasn't too happy with them. 
Joseph didn't know, I mean, Jacob didn't know. Jacob here is discovering that his father, that his son is alive. I just want to read one more verse, which is very powerful. Number 27. They told him all the words of Yosef, which he had spoken to them, and he saw the wagons that Yosef had sent to carry him. Then the spirit of their fa father, Yaakov, was revived. The spirit of the father was revived. That's our job to do to revive the spirit of our fathers, of our forefathers, the Jewish history, Jewish patriarchs, but, but why and ultimately the, God. But why the wagons, physical things? I understand the words of Yosef, but why the wagons? Physical, he needed to see the wagons. That was a sign. You sent a sign, you sent them something. You should, it was like an int, and the int was, uh, reminded them about uh, whatever it was. It's a whole lot of story.